Hi there, my name is Tim. And my name is Luke. And you are listening to the Recruitment Now podcast. We are passionate about recruiting. Each episode, we share ideas and insights into the world of recruiting from world-class recruiters and researchers. This podcast is for recruiters, HR professionals, and anyone looking to improve their recruitment abilities. Our topic today is finding U.S. construction and engineering talent in a tough market. And our guest is Jeremy Bonowitz uh, from Stantech Engineering. So welcome, Jeremy. Thank you. Now, Jeremy has been recruiting specifically in the construction and engineering industry since 2008. He first started off at the staffing firm, uh, moved to Denver, Colorado, and is now in Laurel, Maryland as a talent acquisition manager for Stantech in North America. Is that basically your background there, Jeremy? Yep, yep. I started off in 2008 with um, with a company called Aerotech. Um, worked there for a little over two years and then um, kind of got out of the industry for like about four months, but then got right back in. I, I went into the corporate side, which was a little bit different for me and I, I really liked it. So it's been, been with the corporate side since about 2010. Okay. And now Stantech, you know, a small world here. My dad actually used to work for Stantec. It was a civil engineer years ago. It's a global company. But uh, oh, really? for, our, for our listeners, um, tell us a little bit about Stantec, the company you work for. Sure, sure. Um, Stantec is a uh, engineering consulting firm. We do things such as infrastructure and transportation. Also work in different segments such as mining, environmental, uh, buildings, energy, power. See what else we do. I mean, we just do a bunch of different areas of, of engineering, environmental work uh, across the U.S. across the across the globe. We have about four hundred offices across the globe, and about twenty-two to twenty-three thousand employees. Wow! And how many of those are in the U.S.? Would you say you're biggest in the U.S. or where do you? Oh have yeah, the... definitely, definitely top heavy in the U.S. U.S. and Canada actually, oh, probably okay. the top two. I couldn't, couldn't tell you which one. Our company is based at Edmonton. So um, we're pretty well known in, um, in Canada, but we're also well known in the U.S. as well. So couldn't give you the exact numbers, but those are our two strongholds for sure. So Edmonton is the headquarters for Stantec yes. Global? Mm-hmm. Wow, awesome. And, and um, in your role then, uh, day-to-day, what, how, how many of that headcount are you responsible for then for North America? So yeah, I have um, nine direct reports. Um, eight of them are in the U.S. and one of them is in Canada. And I just mainly focus with the infrastructure teams. So those, so my people are the, um, my recruiters focus on uh, infrastructure roles, uh, highway, roadway, aviation, also community, what we call our community development division, which handles positions like landscape architecture, urban design, civil engineering for landscaping, um, those type of roles as well. So that's, that's our, those are what my team focuses on, those type of roles. Tell us a bit about your team then. I'm always interested to see how uh, recruiters and recruitment teams are structured, et cetera. So you, you said you have nine direct reports, mm-hmm. eight, eight in the U.S., one in Canada. What, what does your team do on a daily basis? So they'll go out and they'll, you know, obviously source. Um, they'll, they'll source for candidates for our roles. Um, we'll do the initial screening. Um, they'll work with the hiring managers to set up interviews. They, you know, from the beginning, they'll they'll post the role, get with the hiring manager to do intake calls or we like to call them strategy sessions to learn a little bit more about the position and what the hiring manager is looking for. And then, you know, once that is established of what they're looking for, then they then they go out and, you know, use different sources and media, social media sites and networking and so forth to find um, candidates to fill out to fill our specific roles. So so I have one in the West Coast, um, two in the let's see, two in the no, three in the Midwest, 
guess you consider Texas the Midwest South. Um, <laughs> and the rest of us are in um, on the East Coast. Now, um, Jeremy, you said you have nine nine people in your team. Are they all doing exactly the same thing, or have you designed your team to be that some are more the talent sourcers? Other ones are doing recruitment marketing and the other ones are helping you to to handle the intake of candidates or is everybody doing a very similar role? Everybody's doing the similar role. So they get we, the full suite. Yeah, we, we have a sourcing team, part of Stantec, um, that we can utilize when you know when need be. But you know, our our recruiters do the full cycle um, from beginning to end. Um, and then the rec loads you know, we try to balance it out as much as possible. You know, obviously there are some recruiters that have, you know, 40 or so recs, and there are some that have like maybe less than 20. And so we definitely try to do, we do a workload balance meeting every week, uh, me and the other managers. And we try to make sure that, um, you know, we're, we're uh, making sure everybody's okay with, you know, with their workload and stuff and trying to divvy out work and farm out positions when needed. Cause you know, obviously running a desk of 40 recs, you know, is, is, is really hard. That's usually like one hour per day on you know, yeah. a roll think about it mathematically. So, you know, our, our comfort zone is around 25, 20, now, 25 recs. Now I find it interesting that you said that some have 20 recs and some have 40. How do you identify the weighting or the difficulty in each role. How do you how do you determine that twenty for one person is equal to forty for another person, depending on the complexity um, of those roles? I would say, yeah, it's a good question. For me, I you know it's based sometimes on geographic region. Like, you know, I know our Texas is a tough market, so I consider if somebody has twenty in Texas, and I know they're and I know they're super tough that might be a little bit different than like an East Coast recruiter who has maybe like 30, but the East Coast, there's a bigger talent pool um, in some way, if that makes sense. Although the talent pool throughout the country is really, really tough. So I have to look at the recs, see which ones, you know, okay, this one's a senior level role, um, you know, 15 years experience, but then this one's more of a, um, an A1, you know, kind of entry level-ish role, which we, we also have a future talent team that usually that normally takes all of our entry level roles. So in essence, all the recruiters, not just my team, but all the recruiters normally handle that mid level to senior level type of type of roles. We try to give, we try to, you know, give the entry level intern co-ops to the future talent team. Uh, we have a sourcing team that can help out on some of the more challenging roles. So we give them a lot of tools and a lot of, um, a lot of help when needed. So that's good. It's good to, to have that, uh, to give to be able to provide them with um, different resources to help them out. But now, Jeremy, you've you've uh, been a recruiter and now you're a recruitment manager. What's been the biggest yeah. uh, adjustment for you in that move? Um, I think just you know learning kind of the what a manager does really. You know, I know one thing is I, you know, time. You have a lot of time. You, you don't have a lot of time. Sorry. You you it seems like you're focused on one project after the next. You know, okay, they got to do this project. You got to do this project. Now you're fielding questions from your team, so you have to answer them back in a timely manner. You know, a lot more reporting. That's one thing I never <laughs> really did a whole lot of uh, when I was recruiting. I never did a lot of, you know, Excel spreadsheets or pivot tables or anything like that. But um, but now I'm starting to get into that a little more, and it's actually kind of kind of cool to cool to see actually. Um, but I would say, you know, just your time seems to be just you can't get enough time in the day just answering questions, doing a project, 
you know, this and that. It just it is just a lot of a lot of work. Now it's interesting that you say um, that reporting suddenly lands on your desk when you when you move into a management role. It's something that we we experienced with um, with my everyday work was when we introduced KPI reports on our software at Top Recruiter. This was a key key item for for managers. It, it was like gold because it really shows the value of the recruitment team and how much progress and performance they've they've provided over the time. Mm-hmm. Um, many many managers in recruitment have have told me they feel like they're they're a cost to the company, although they're providing this qualitative value of human capital, right? Um, mm-hmm. And they measure this all by a various various mix of metrics. I'm guessing you also have your own set that that you measure your success of you yourself and your team. What are these metrics? What are the kind of metrics you're responsible for at, at Stantec? Yeah, you know, to be honest with you, as far as metrics go, we don't really have a certain set right now of metrics that we're looking at. Um, you know, we if anything, it's we we really focus in on those roles that are 90 days or older type of thing. In our ATS system, you have two choices uh, in the in the system to mark one to mark a role either as uh, complex or things. Uh, how it works is basically if a role is problematic, that means you've been working on it for let's say 90 days and you haven't found anybody, so you move that role then uh, into the, into the system as problematic, and that's when. You know, then the recruiter asks for us for help, you know, additional help, whether it be the sourcing team, et cetera. And a complex role basically is one you know that's going to be tough. Um, just by being in the industry, um, you know, the talent pool is very small. You know, it's going to be something that's going to be like finding a needle on a stack of needles. So you switch to that real quick. And then off the bat, you get the help because we know that right off, right when you open that thing, that you're going to need some help um, uh, with filling that role. So how I do it, I, I just look at, um, you know, how many are 90 days old um how many we do it by color coding as well um so a green role is um a role that we expect you to have somebody sent over or have reviewed by the hiring manager within 30 days uh yellow uh, we want somebody we want you to at least sub people by 60 days and then red is uh, somebody we hope you we hope you uh, are able to sub within 90 days so you're actually prioritizing before you've even began the search yes uh-huh yeah you oh. put it in the arc recruiters you put it in the systems this role going to be red green or yellow and then is this going to be a problematic role or a complex complexity role complex role and um and then you go from there so when the uh, stantec executive the ceo or the executive table look at the recruitment team how do they know that you guys are doing a good job? Like wh- what measurements do they have to know that you guys are doing a great, good job or a bad job? You know, how, how would they know the difference? Good question. I am not quite there yet. Okay. I'll let you know. You know, I know they do reviews. Um, you know, I know we are um, looked at by our HRCO and he looks at, he looks at our information and, you know, my boss's box looks at our information. So, um, you know, I know they, they, they all watch it. There's normally the the very typical metrics of um, time to hire and um, and I guess there's a quality of hire which is not a very quantitative uh, metric that you can really score. They're starting to move in that direction. I mean, you know the so I've only been with them for almost, yeah about three years, and when I came it was a much different story. There was um, you know we we're using a different system and it was kind of everyone was a different team type of thing. Like we had the water team, we had the environmental team, the buildings team, infrastructure team. 
but now they're starting to bring it all together under one, you know, our philosophy is one team and stuff. And we're starting to make strides towards, you know, no more silos. Yes. Exactly. A cross-functional team. Mm-hmm. Um, see that happening in a lot of organizations trying to modernize and streamline their processes these days. Now, yep. when uh, Jeremy, when you and I spoke over the phone, it sounds like um, hiring in the engineering or construction industry within the U.S. is actually quite tough. There's a lot of competition out there, mm-hmm. um, and it's quite a problem for your team to find that talent. So um, what we really want to share with our listeners today is some of the ideas that you're trying out or are already implementing or ideas that you may have, um, how you currently, uh, what's your approach on finding the talent in you know, in engineering and construction in such a tough, tough market. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, uh, like I said, it is a very tough market. Um, you know, a lot of companies are bidding and, and trying to win jobs across the U S I know they're with infrastructure specifically. Uh, I've been trying to keep up. I can't remember if the, I don't think the government has passed that new infrastructure bill yet, but, um, yeah, I mean, we're all kind of seem to be fighting for the same people. What is the, what is this infrastructure bill? Uh, I think the government was going to pass or was looking at passing a, um, a infrastructure, a major infrastructure bill um, for different projects. And I apologize, I haven't, I haven't kept up on it too much, but I know that was still in limbo. I think our, I don't think our president signed anything quite yet to to uh, to help the cause. Um, but uh, yeah, they were gonna, you know, that's um, that's one of the things that uh, that was big in the news, you know, in the infrastructure bill, because our infrastructure here in the U.S. is, is kind of crumbling. Bridges, a lot of bridges need to be fixed. A lot of roads need to be fixed. So there's just there's just a lot of work to be done. So again, you know, with all the firms here, you know, all the firms, um, we're 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 battling for the same talent, uh, same talent pool. And there's really what it is is there's so many jobs, but the but there's not enough talent. And you know, hopefully kids or hopefully students um, will go into things like STEM and and go into engineering so we can replenish what we're losing, um, you know, from the baby, from, I think the baby boom generation and those older folks who are going to get getting ready, getting ready to retire. Um, so hopefully uh, a, lot, a lot of students um, will want to go into the, uh, the field of engineering. But, now when, Jeremy, just a point of clarification, you're not able to find the talent in the domestic U S or have you looked beyond the U S you know, into other countries internationally? Um, just, just the U.S. Just the U.S. Um, it depends on the situation, but you know, uh, H-1B people we kind of we we can look at and stuff like that. But um, it all depends on the on the business and um, their needs and stuff. So, um, so but do I understand do, correctly? Sorry, Jeremy, to interrupt you. That an, an an infrastructure bill in the U.S. If that were to be passed, there'd be a whole lot more construction work to be done all over the U.S. That's creating. That, yeah, that's mm, my take on it. So mm-hmm. that would create a bit of a dog-eat-dog uh, market for for candidates. They they'll be in the pound seats, making your life oh, even I, harder to find the talent in oh, the industry. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, right. candidates now, and this is really a candidate-driven market here uh, in the U.S. I mean, they can they can go where they want. And they can ask for what they want. I mean, you have you have you know, entry level coming out asking for big time money, which they would have never gotten, uh, you know, 10 years ago when we had the recession, maybe even like six years ago. But, you know, they know, you know, they're going to ask for big salary sometimes, big sign-on bonus sometimes. So this is really a candidate-driven market, I will say. So what do you do 
at Stantec then to attract that talent? It's tough to find now. It might get tougher in the future. So yep. what, are you, what are you guys actively doing to uh, attract that talent? Yeah. Um, so we try to make sure we have a consistent brand across different social media sites, et cetera. So everyone recognizes, okay, that's Stantec, you know, join us or, or Stantec Proud or I think one of our um, slogans is um, design with community mind. So definitely the branding part of it and that's part of our branding team that does that, that keeps a consistent, um, consistent brand. You know, we, we try to utilize a lot of our, our um, own employees for networking and employee referrals. Um, we really try to push the, what we call the ERB program, which is our uh, employee referral bonus program across the, across the company. Cause I think that's the best way you're going to find, you know, the worker, you know, that that's going to stick with Stantec, you know, so somebody, somebody knows somebody. <laughs> question about that. I, I've wondered this myself and I, I ran a, a, a national recruitment team as well. And we had those bonuses. Do you think they actually work? And conceptually uh, for me, I've always, I've always wrestled with this is if I'm an employee and I have a friend who needs a job, I'm going to mm-hmm. refer them with or without the thousand, five thousand, whatever the bonus is. Mm-hmm. But then on the other hand, it is nice to reward employees for bringing on good employees. So I'm, I'm curious to hear your experience about that. Yeah. Um, you know, I, in my, when I was recruiting, um, you did, I thought we, they did a very good job of the referral program. We saw our quarter two results yesterday. I won't give any specific numbers, but our ERB program was pretty darn good. I was like, wow, we gave out a pretty good chunk of change for our ERB, ERB program. Now on the other side, flip side of it, our you know, we're still, we're still using some agencies quite a bit. So I'd like to see, you know, it'd be great to have our, our ERB program be way up. I think they did a pretty good job. I think they did a very good job. And we're, you know, we, you know, we keep sharing things like, I know, obviously LinkedIn's the big thing. So, um, you know, all of our managers share, share job postings and, um, that we, that we sent out our team. Um, what we, we have a shareable Wednesday program or everybody in every recruiter, share something, whether it be an article, a job posting, most likely a job posting, um, or something on Wednesday um, between 11 and noon their time. Um, so we have that going on, um, get ready to start, start some other campaigns, maybe a Twitter Tuesday <laughs> and stuff. So we, we come together as a group to get, get to get the word out there in mass um, across, across different channels. So your team so, is all working in little bits and pieces all over the web to, to spread the word for the recruitment team. So you're taking yep. recruitment marketing in your own hands rather than passing it off to a marketing team. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of our recruiters are very excellent, are very good at um, utilizing like things like LinkedIn. We use indeed, um, to set up job alerts. Of course we use LinkedIn to set up job alerts. You know, our company is good at finding, uh, sorry, recruiters. Um, you know, I know, We'll look at roster list or conference list. We have an internal uh, internal um, a website. It's kind of like a it's kind of like a, a, a social media site like Facebook, but only for Stantec employees and stuff. So you can you can pass jobs along that way and notify people of different openings and stuff. So it's pretty cool. Pretty cool pro- uh, thing we have. Jeremy, you say um, you use LinkedIn extensively and and Indeed or other job sites as well. And I'm guessing mm-hmm. that LinkedIn is most successful when you're hiring, you know, more um, corporate jobs or, uh, you know, not items on the front line, more like engineers. But what about general labor, the people on the ground who are not on LinkedIn? How do you reach those candidates? 
Yeah, good question. So things like, um, so we, you know, there, there are different roles that we hire like that, uh, like maybe inspectors or Sioux technicians or land surveyors. Um, a lot of those people really aren't on LinkedIn. So we try to utilize um, the people that are currently working there. So maybe the hiring manager, maybe some of his team members, you know, if you're looking for a field person, um, maybe you let the, you know, you'd say, hey, hi, Mr. High Manager, who do you know? Maybe you, then you go to his people and then say, hey, who do you know? You know, here's a referral bonus, et cetera. Social media wise, um, I used to use Craigslist a lot for those types of roles. Um, maybe a maybe a LinkedIn group. I think it's like LinkedIn Construction Group. Doc, uh, LinkedIn Construction Group. Uh, maybe some LinkedIn groups. What else would there be? Um, Facebook would be another one I would use. Do you use Facebook advertising, or do you simply create a presence on Facebook and and content that people might want to read? Does our company, or yeah, I mean, sorry, the the company when they're trying when they're trying to hire. You, oh yeah, you... we don't we don't we don't use Facebook really that much for for our job postings. Um, that's one thing I've tried to tried to um, move along and say, hey, you know, maybe we could use Facebook for some of some of our postings. Um, I think they want to keep certain certain content in certain areas. Um, they'll share a job on on LinkedIn, of course, and uh, and Twitter as well. But I think Facebook they want to keep to just stories and, and other things. But I think. On our page, if you go there, there is a job. There is a jobs tab that you can see what's open. But no, to be honest, Jeremy, I'm I'm curious on this. Is I mean, traditionally, recruiters or main competencies. Well, can they interview candidates? Can they pre-screen? Can they find candidates? But it seems like over the last few years, another competency has emerged where it really is social media marketing. Mm-hmm. Have Have you noticed that as well? I'm I'm observing this generally, but I'm just curious to see your thoughts on that. And are those competencies that you look for in recruiters? Um, yeah, I mean, you're right. A lot of mark companies are doing social, social uh, uh, marketing. So, yeah, I mean, we try to, I mean, teach our, our our teams to do a lot of social media, you know, sharing um, on their social media sites and stuff so yeah i mean i think you definitely have to know you definitely have to know how to do a lot of social social marketing and and you know even a campaign or whatever because i think that's totally something that's that's needed uh in recruiting um and stuff so yeah and answer your question yes jeremy you mentioned earlier that um there's some of the roles that start off you know that they're going to be complex and then there's ones that end up being problematic when they go beyond the 90 days yeah I'm guessing those are the ones that you then engage a staffing agency um, to help with the search. Am I right? Is that is that kind of when you would want to work with a staffing agency? Well, so after the 90 days, um, we are just in the midst of putting together what we're calling a, um, a talent acquisition sourcing, uh, I guess, quote unquote, playbook. So, um, and this has a checklist of everything that a recruiter should go through um, before reaching out to a third party agency. Um, so after 90 days, you really, I um, want to go back to the hiring manager and what we call recalibrate the rec. Okay, so it's been 90 days, Mr. Manager or Mrs. Manager. Is this still what you're looking for? Can, is there anything we can? Is there anything we can edit in this in this rec? Are you still looking for that three to five year, or now are we looking for more of a two to six? You know, is there anything we can change here? Maybe even the title. <laughs> you know, do we have this ti- the title right? 
So my belief is after 90 days, um, you definitely want to go back to the hiring manager, recalibrate the rec, make sure it's still what you need. And then what I call the three R's, um, you know, recalibrate, um, review and repost um, once that's all done. So, you know, after that's that's my belief after 90 days. And then, then, then after that, maybe another, once you get it posted, then, you know, the clock starts again, see what happens, see what you get. And then, you know, if you've done, if, if you've done what we have now, what we're, what we're putting together, this checklist, if you've done everything on this list, uh, including utilizing, reaching out to our sourcing team and still haven't found anybody, then, then, you know, okay, third party should be engaged. So, you know, maybe after, maybe after like 120 days. You okay. Know, so 120 start. days. Yeah. Now, what does the sourcing team do? It sounds like it, they do something different than your recruitment team. Um, no, I mean, well, they'll source, but they'll get, um, I haven't, see, I looked at the, um, I glanced at the spreadsheet yesterday about, we, so we have four, four people on our sourcing team, you know, each, each sourcing person handles a different area in a different, in a different region. And are they sourcing more contingent workforce? Is that the difference between the recruitment team and the sourcing team? Well, they're team? pipelining, they're pipelining really, they're doing research and then they're engaged on, um, on specific roles that might be more challenging for our recruiters. So if a recruiter comes to me and says, you know, I, I don't know, I don't um, have any anybody for this role. It's been, you know, creeping up on 90 days. What should I do? So then we'll talk about, you know, other items that maybe they haven't done, but then I'll say, you know, also don't forget to reach out maybe to see if the sourcing team can help and see if they have, they have capacity um, as well. Because our sourcing team, I mean, they, they work on obviously the more challenging roles and sometimes they're up to like, you know, anywhere from 10 to 19 different roles. So you don't want to, you don't want to overwhelm them because they're working on some really strategic types of roles. So maybe. they're, they're almost like an in-house uh, yes. staffing agency. They're, they're yeah. doing the head hunting and mm -hmm. your, your recruitment team is managing all the inbound, the applications coming through the website. Um, right. Whereas the sourcing team is doing the head hunting. They're doing right. all the mean work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Once it gets, <laughs> once it gets to the more challenging stage and we have four, um, source we call them sourcing and research consultants basically and so we have four of them and so i'm just looking at the quick chart uh three of them focus in the u.s and one of them focuses in canada and then the three that on the u.s focus on different areas so we have one you know in buildings one that handles water and environment and then another one that handles energy and infrastructure now jeremy what do you think the pros and cons are about having an in-house sourcing team versus something you might traditionally um go to an outside recruiter for um, you know, definitely the, the in-house, I, I just like to be able to have an in-house as a, you know, one, they're part of the team. So, you know, one team approach uh, philosophy. So we're all working together. I like being able to uh, be able to uh, reach out to them quickly, quickly and more, I guess more efficiently, I should say, when you reach out to an agency, uh, if that's you're talking about, you know, you might, uh, they might, it, you know, they might not get back to you right away. Um, you know, there's just different things. There's just a different feel, but when you feel part of the team uh, and, and they're, you know, they're definitely part of the team. Um, I think we want to accomplish the goal together. Not saying that, and I, not saying that an agency doesn't, but um, it's just, it's just a different feeling, I guess. Um, and then cons, um, you know, I, don't, I can't think of one off the top of my head. You know, they just, they work just as hard as we do. Same goes for our future talent team. And those people, those are, like I said, the in the uh, 
recruiting team that handles entry level, new grad, co-ops, you know, those people, those uh, recruiters are handling uh, a good amount of workload because, you know, you can get like 50 intern roles, you know? Yeah, that's quite a bit. They could be running a really high rec load and they they do a really good job. Well, Jeremy, thank you so much for joining us today. This was Jeremy, the Talent Acquisition Manager with Stantec in the USA. Uh, to find out more about the Recruitment Now podcast, visit www.recruitment-now.com or find us on LinkedIn. That's Tim Vanderpale and Luke Gass. Mm-hmm.